Hi, and welcome back to the Defenseless Moments podcast. I'm Hunter Visser, and I'm here with Larry Wilson, author of Safe Start. In this podcast, we're breaking down each chapter in Larry's new book, Defenseless Moments, a different perspective on serious injuries. Now, remember this book, it's available on Amazon, and the articles are also available on the web and in safety magazines in over 13 different countries. So if you haven't had a chance to read the chapter or read the article, make sure you do so, as it's going to help make this episode a lot more meaningful. And we're excited to announce that because of all the support and outreach we've had from the first episode, we're actually going to be introducing some special interim episodes in between the monthly podcast where we talk with Larry, with industry experts and consultants sharing their experience with these paradigm shifts. So remember to subscribe to the podcast, and feel free to share these with your colleagues so they can also stay up to date. Now, the title of this chapter is The Three Sources of Unexpected. And I've been lucky enough to travel with Gary Higby, who's one of the most decorated people in safety. And I've heard him mention countless times that these three sources, they're foundational building blocks or cornerstones to where we are now in 2020 with human factor safety. But before we dive into the interview, we're first going to listen to a short audio clip from Larry explaining the three sources of unexpected. Hi, this is probably one of the most important paradigm shifts. We all know that nobody is ever trying to get hurt, which means that nobody would ever plan to have a serious injury, which means that something unexpected had to happen. But not everybody's figured out that essentially there's really only three sources of unexpected events. Either you do something unexpectedly, somebody else does something unexpectedly, or the equipment breaks or malfunctions and it does something unexpectedly. So I guess my questions to you are, where do the three sources come from? How'd you figure them out? When did you figure them out? And why is it so important? Or why does Gary think it's so important? Well, it's funny. I remember when when we were writing Inside Out, Gary actually said that if, if he had have had the three sources piece, the importance of the self area, he thinks he would have been able to put the state terrorist pattern together himself. Um... But it, the three sources didn't sort of start out like that. It started with me, like I was saying, doing observation training. The, the program that I was training was you know, sort of the old traditional one. I think I mentioned before it focused more on correcting unsafe behavior, or unsafe acts than positive reinforcement. But in the communication skills of this program if you saw somebody doing something unsafely you were supposed to ask them well what if something unexpected happened and they would hopefully answer the question and then you'd talk about well what could we do to make sure that that wouldn't happen and then hopefully come up with a way to work more safely in the future you would normally have to sometimes fill in the blank in terms of, well, what if something unexpected happened? And that there are really only three sources. Either you do something unexpectedly, somebody else does something unexpectedly, or the equipment does something unexpectedly. Um, that, that's fairly intuitive. But what I was trying to tell these folks is that human nature being what it is, People are only so receptive to the, you know, what if you make a mistake or what if you do something unexpectedly because they don't think they will. Um, They don't want to be blamed. Well, there's that too. But 
Um, one of the videos I had, they had a fork truck driver coming around the corner with a load in the you know, raised position. And, you know, you could stop him and say, well, what if something unexpected happened and hope that he could fill in the blank? Or you could say, you know, what if you did something unexpectedly? What if somebody else did something unexpectedly? Or what if the equipment did something unexpectedly? And all I was trying to say is that if you say, you know, sooner or later, you know, you're going to make a mistake and tip the truck over, the guy's likely going to say, well, I've been driving a truck for 10 years and I haven't tipped it over yet. Yeah. But if you say, well, what if somebody came around the corner, you know, they were in a real rush, maybe just found out their kid was down at the emergency ward, they didn't look, you know, you see them just out of the corner of your eye, your foot's on that brake in terms of a reflux before you've had a chance to think, well, you know, now where's that load going? Yeah. And all I was trying to do is say, you know, like people tend to be more receptive to the other guy doing something unexpectedly. So if you can, get that component of human nature working for you instead of against you. And I'd also say, you know, you can always use the equipment if you want, but you got to remember that, you know, if you're going to say, well, you know, what if the hydraulic hose burst or what if the chain snapped when you had the load up like that? You got to remember that hydraulic hoses don't burst very often and chains don't snap very often. So, again, if you said something like that and the guy said, Well, I've been here for 10 years and I've never seen a hose on my truck or anybody else's truck burst and I've never seen a chain snap. So, I don't know how likely you think that is, but I'm not too worried about it. And then if you say, Oh, yeah, well, 17 years ago in Argentina, a guy was driving a fork truck just like yours when the hose burst. Well, that may not be very effective because that's a long time ago and it's far away and it's not that close to the heart, right? Yeah, not a lot of stick factor there. No. So basically, you know, try to use the other guy whenever you had the chance. And this bit, if you will, went over really well when I was doing the observation training. And people were sort of like, hey, that makes sense. I can see people being more receptive to that. Maybe I'll try it. And... I'd been doing this bit for a while and things had been going over pretty well with it. And it was the second session I'd done at this place. It was in, it was in Fort St. James, middle of nowhere. I'll never forget it. And about 30 people in the room, like I said, things were going well. The first class I'd done there had gone okay. Um, you know, this class was going pretty well, almost right off the bat. And I'd gone through the three sources of unexpected. Everybody was nodding just like they were supposed to. And I don't know if it was just that little extra bit of comfort factor, um, you know, second time I was there, everybody getting on well, they were laughing at the joke kind of thing. But I just said, guys, well, let me see if I can give you a bit of perspective on this. I said, it's about 30 of us here. So I said, how many of you guys have been seriously hurt? We'll cut it off, say it's stitches or worse. How many of you guys here have been seriously hurt because the equipment you were working with or the car you were driving broke, malfunctioned? or did something screwy unexpectedly. You know, wire up snapped, hose burst, seal failed, traffic lights started working incorrectly, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, true equipment fa failure. And nobody in the room put their hand up. And I said, well, guys, you know, I mean, from what I've been told, it's a lot less than 5% of primary causation. There's only 30 of us here. But I said, if we had 100 people in the room, we'd probably see a couple hands in the air. And then I kind of puffed myself up, getting ready for my big bit. And I said, yeah, but I said, how many of you guys here have been seriously hurt because the other guy did something unexpectedly? 
And I was expecting to see all 30 hands go up so I could say, and see, there's another reason why you want to use the other guy, because that's where the real risk is anyway. And nobody put their hand up. Wow. And there was just like silence. And we're all looking around at each other. And, and people, like, I'm not just the only one. People are feeling it. And then finally this little guy, Kenny, um, he was the plant engineer, actually. And he just stood up and he said, Larry, is this the way it is everywhere? And I lost it. I said, I don't know. I said, I barely even know what I'm doing here, you guys, really. I mean, they just gave me a few magic markers and a couple overhead transparencies and a day and a half of training and away you go. I mean... I, I really, I mean, I've spent the last five years doing soap operas and movies of the week. I really don't know. But I get to do lots of these sessions, so I think I better try to find out. And so I started doing this three sources of unexpected bit. Same thing with the observations, but at the end saying, hey, let me just see if I can give you a bit of perspective on this. And I started doing this class after class after class. So how many people or classes did you ask this to before you knew it wouldn't change? Well, I asked way, way, way more than before I started. I mean, I, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of classes. I mean, I, it wasn't just, you know, I mean, I knew it wasn't going to change after a while, but it was also just a, a, a huge paradigm shift for people. I mean, getting them to see that, you know, 97, 99% of the time. It wasn't the equipment and it wasn't the other guy. I mean, this, this, was, this was just huge. Did you always do it as a show of hands or did it get a little bit more sophisticated with the data collection? Well, we, you know, when with the clickers, the audience response system stuff, we actually, I guess you got more sophisticated data collection, certainly made prettier looking graphs. Everybody could see them. But it, it didn't change the percentages at all, Hunter. Like, not not one, you know, not one decimal point. I mean, everything was pretty much the same. Um, same thing in terms of the number of serious injuries, you know, three to seven major injuries, eight to 12 minor serious injuries, 5,000 to 10,000 cuts, bruises, bumps, and scrapes. That didn't change at all. You know, 30-plus potentially fatal, you know, close calls, still the average for most adults. Um, a little lower in countries where they didn't drive cars, but you know that none of that really changed with improved with improved data collection, and the self area was still like ninety seven and ninety nine percent. So at ninety seven and ninety nine percent, that that puts a lot of responsibility on the self for the on the individual. Did you did you get much pushback from this or resistance? Well, a lot of a lot of resistance from. Um, well, you know, certainly union-minded, union individuals, um, people who had been sort of, you know, championing the, the it's all management's fault, you know, all management, you know, management oversight, um, you know, system failure, all of all of those, all of those kind of folks um, certainly didn't want to hear anything about, you know, 97 and 99 percent being the being the individual. But it was difficult to argue with from what had happened to them on a personal basis. And the other thing that made it a little difficult for these folks was that I wasn't limiting things to just on-the-job injuries. 
I mean, this included all of the injuries in your life, on or off the job. It included all of the injuries before you started working, and it included all the stuff that happened when you were driving a car. So it also made it difficult to sort of filter out the workplace as being completely different from all of that either. So there, were, there was definitely a lot of resistance but probably the, the best way, if you will, that I had in terms of trying to overcome that was to try to get these folks to see that this was actually, like, if you, if you looked at it like blame, then it was, you know, 97 to 99%, it's our fault, you know, how dare you, I don't want to hear this. Yes, you could understand that. But if you just changed it from blame to help or to being able to exercise more control over the situation, you know, 97 to 99% of the time is actually very empowering. I mean, if it was always the equipment doing something unexpectedly or always the other guy, we have limited control over how the bridges are designed and how they're maintained, and we have limited control over what we can make the other guy do or get the other person to do. You know, especially if you're thinking about something like driving a car, right? You know, where you can't even really communicate with the other person. But if it's us, if 97 to 99% of the time it's us, we can control what we do. We just have to understand better why we make mistakes and why unexpected things happen in the self area. So this was a huge breakthrough, the, the three sources. Was it, I mean, how, how long did it take for this breakthrough to really catch on? Well, I, I started doing it um, in the late 80s. And, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people had been through this exercise by the, uh, you know, early 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 to mid early to mid 90s so yeah for sure it was one of the most it was one of the most significant paradigm shifts it was certainly one of the things that kind of helped me survive at the beginning you know because i was you know way too young way too young to be doing it to be doing this job but it was also um i think gary was right it was the foundational building block because once you get people to accept the self area now they, you know, want to know, okay, now what do I need to do? Yeah, so it sort of sets the stage for personal development. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what, have, what have you got now besides, you know, be careful or try to be more careful next time? But you definitely open the door. Now, what, one last question. Were, were other people looking at safety from a 24-7 approach, or was it all directed at the workforce? Back then, um, it was all. Like, all anybody really cared about was. The workplace, um, almost, uh, almost as if the the injuries that happened off the job didn't have any pain or suffering or inconvenience associated with them or cost. It was really, uh, it was really, it was really quite strange. It was really quite strange, even though everybody knew that off the job injuries cost almost as much money as on the job injuries. Wow. Well, Larry, thank you so much. That concludes the second episode of the Defenseless Moments podcast. Now, remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date and get notifications as soon as we put out a new episode. 
and as we start putting out the new interim episodes in between the interviews with Larry. Also, feel free to give us a review and to share this episode with your colleagues so they can learn a little bit about what we've got going on here at the Defenseless Moments podcast. Once again, thanks so much for listening to episode two. We hope you enjoyed it.